From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly review of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you with us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. Well, Bud, we kind of, uh, the last time we met, we had just gotten a a budget uh, missile, if you will, from the mayor's office on some proposals. Let me set this up this way. The city does a biennial or biennium budget, two-year budget cycle. And with the revaluation or reevaluation, whichever pronouncer you prefer, uh, it looks like the average valuation in the city going up about 22%. So if the city leaves the levy in place for this second year, they're going to take in about $14 million more than they had budgeted. But the mayor uh, has um, is not going to necessarily propose letting the taxpayers keep that money, but maybe part of it. Is that a fair summary? That's a pretty good summary. Um, we can just end this segment. Mark just did it. on. <laughs> but um, so in the middle of the biennium budget, there's always... Um, some adjustments that are made. And actually, when they set the budget a year ago, uh, it was up about 7.5% over the previous year. And then they had budgeted for this year to be about 5% ahead of last year's budget. And then what they've got to do is their property tax asking. And so um, it's, you know, here's the thing. This Usually I smile when we talk about budgets, Um, This one doesn't necessarily have me smiling too much because in the budget that was passed a year ago, there was an $8 million increase for this next year over the current year. So if you'll remember, we talked about Councilman McGinnis had a resolution in front of the city council that said, we want to just take what we already budgeted for. We're not going to take anything more. We're not going to do any of that. And it went down in flames. And now, on top of the additional $8 million that was budgeted for, the mayor is proposing an additional $8 million on top of that out of the 14 they quote-unquote could take if they really wanted to. And it's very disappointing to me that City Hall has their head in the sand and they're going to take the additional $8 million. Their counter to that is that they're going to reduce the levy, which will save taxpayers about $6 million over what they would have paid had they not reduced that. But when you could reduce it $14 million and you reduce it six, um, somebody that's into actuarial will say that doesn't quite compute with a taxpayer. Well, they're lowering the levy. But still taking in. But you're going to pay more in taxes. I mean, we talked about that briefly when I mentioned the LPS budget. LPS is lowering the levy by $0.13, cents and the person who owns a $200,000 house is going to pay $300 more in taxes. But we lowered the levy, you know, I mean, and so it's all about, I don't know, what do you want to call it? You want to call it photo ops? It's all about, you know, the spin or what have you. But I think it's important for people to understand you are going to pay more in taxes. So when it comes campaign time, and these people say, we lowered your levy, 
you probably should remember that they raised your taxes because you're paying more. And I mean, they're going to blame it on valuations, but they're certainly never going to take accountability for the money that they're taking from the taxpayer. So um, I think it's important to talk about this, and I think it's important for people to remember this. So, And, you know, ironically, as we've gone through the budget, a couple of things that are, I'll just say, well, there's more than one thing that's irritating about this. So the budget dropped on August 3rd. The public hearing is August 14th. If you go on the city's website, you have to really search to get to the budget. And I know people probably won't recall this, so I'll remind them that Councilwoman Larry and Gaylor Baird and Councilman Trent Fellers worked together on a resolution to make the budget more transparent so that people could actually see where their money was going. Well, Councilwoman Baird then became Mayor Baird, and she's had the opportunity to implement this that she and Councilman Feathers or Fellers passed and hasn't done it. So you can't find where the money's going. Um, and you have literally 11 days from, and probably less than 11 days, from the time they drop the budget to the time that there's a public hearing on it. So... In my mind, that says the mayor doesn't give a damn whether you talk about the budget or not. They're going to do what they're going to do, and she's going to whip the votes in the the city council and make them pass this budget. So good for them, but bad for the taxpayer. Transparency issue. Uh, You know, Councilman Fellers and Councilman Gator Baird, uh, I remember some of that discussion. It was to make this whole process more transparent. doesn't seem like that's uh, the situation. Maybe this is a way to make it more opaque. I would say that uh, this budget um, is about as transparent as a black curtain because you can't find anything. And so I guess transparency really isn't that important except for when you're a talking head in the on the Lincoln City Council because she had these frustrations because she couldn't find things in the budget. But I guess now that she can see them behind the curtain, it's, it's okay for her. The mayor's been in... Uh office now for almost five years. Mm -hmm. What's the situation historically on the budget during this term? Well, I think the interesting thing is, obviously, we continue to see the budget increase. Um, But a couple of things that I found interesting is, uh, first of all, the office just the budget just for the mayor's office has increased by 34.5%, mostly adding staff. I guess we could call it her entourage. The Human Resources Department, their budget has increased by 79%. So if you'll recall a year ago, Councilwoman Ward, Leba, we were talking about the police department did not have anything in their budget to recruit. And so the mayor's bright solution was, we're going to hire somebody else in HR. Well, that was last year's solution. We still don't have enough police officers. So this year, we're going to add another person in the HR department who's going to be paid six figures plus benefits, who is going to be focused on police and fire. Again, we're still not addressing the problem. So if you want to, you know, what do we say on here, Mark? Numbers are numbers. So if you look at 
The number of full-time employees in the Lincoln Police Department, since this mayor took office, and these go through 2021, we don't have the 2022 statistics, were actually down-sworn officers. These are, And this is from the Nebraska Crime Commission. This isn't some, you know, me making up statistics. And we're down civilian employees over those two years. And if you look at, then they also have on the Crime Commission's statistics, they show how much understaffed Lincoln Police Department is. And so in 2019, the Lincoln Police Department was understaffed by about nine sworn officers and 10 civilian employees. Well, now we're understaffed by 24 sworn officers and 20 civilian employees. So those numbers are going up. And this is based on the number of uh, positions per 1,000 population. So No, this is straight-up sworn officers. Okay. This is The Crime Commission has how many sworn yep. officers and civilian officers. This isn't even getting into the per 1,000 number. Okay. This is just straight-up one Because we often hear about shortage. that per 1,000. Yes. So, to... so if you want to talk about the per 1,000 number, uh, Lincoln... We're at can... the lowest point in the state. Yeah, of, of the cities. With population with more than 4,000, I'll just read you all the cities in Nebraska that have, well, every city with a population of more than 4,000, or excuse me, more than 5,000 has a higher number of officers per thousand than Lincoln, Nebraska. That means Omaha, that means Lexington, that means Kearney, that means Grand Island, that means Bellevue, that means Papillion, that means Ralston, Plattsmouth. I mean, all those places. Hastings. There's only one city on that list that has 1.2 officers per 1,000, and that's Fremont. Correct. And Lincoln. They're both at 1.2, and that's the lowest. Well, actually, in 2021, Fremont got up to 1.4. Okay. And Lincoln stayed at 1.2. So, I mean, like, so we, we heard during the campaign, I've added officers. According to the Crime Commission, that's not true. But we've added a position in human resources, and we can, we continue to inflate the human resource budget and the mayor's office budget for her entourage. So it it's really, really disappointing to see that we're not addressing the problems. And in a time when, you know, businesses are being hit by higher taxes and all these other things, the city just doesn't appear to care. Now, I will say that uh, I can see some budget increases in police uh, because they did— of, uh, come to a new uh, union agreement mm-hmm. and Lincoln Police, some of the highest paid, if not the highest paid police department in the state. Uh, but we still haven't seen the results uh, that you would assume from that being able to hire more uh, officers or getting them in there. So let's see. Uh, you bring up a really interesting point, Mark, because budgeting for police officers and actually boots on the ground aren't the same thing. Correct. But... According to the spin doctor, Mayor Baird, it's, oh, well, we've added police. No, you've added money for police if we can hire them. And I think that's an important thing to talk about. And I, I think it's also great that you bring up the collective bargaining agreement with uh, LPD. Um, because, yes, they were the highest paid for about two months. And then Omaha and Bellevue and Papillion and Kearney and Grand Island, all of those unions had their collective bargaining discussions. So, I mean, it was nice that we were number one for a week or two. So, 
Um, but that's the case. But, you know, and, and I don't make, mean to make light of public safety, but, you know, we're adding bureaucrats in the human resource office and the mayor's office. We're not adding boots on the ground to actually get out and actively recruit police officers. And the police department needs it. But they had money for a fancy new vehicle they can drive around town to tell people to become police officers. We're not helpless in this situation because, as you often say, those that show up make a difference. Time to show up? Absolutely. Um, Monday the 14th is the budget hearing uh, at City Hall. They're going to have their regular council meeting, and then they're going to have a meeting to open it up for discussion on the budget. It's important for people to show up. Um you know, I'm still working through the numbers, but the sales tax collections um, over the last five years are up about 22%. Um, and that's without counting the last month of this year. It's up 22% over five years, and we still have one more month to collect in the current budget year. Um, and, and my big question is, are we creating slush funds? Where's the money going? And what are we doing with that money? And we see department after department at City Hall that is creating large carryover balances, seven, six, seven, eight figures of money that they're carrying over just year after year and building up these funds. And, you know, but this $8 million is really important for the city to take. So people need to show up. Um, they need to voice their concern. Um, your property taxes are going to go up and you are going to pay more pa- property taxes to the city of Lincoln, Lancaster County, Southeast Community College, Lincoln Public Schools, the Lower Platte South Natural Resource District, the Lincoln Airport Authority, you are going to be paying more. They're, they're, ta- they're touting, oh, we're lowering the levies, and the levy will be the lowest it's been in 20 years. But you're paying more in taxes. So you as a taxpayer have to reconcile, am I paying less taxes or not? And am I going to buy the malarkey that's being spread when when they tell me, oh, well, we lowered your levy. But, you know, I look at them and I go, okay, you lowered my levy and I'm paying 300 bucks and more in taxes to your entity, not counting the other entities. For those of you that may not be able to make the hearing on the 14th, you can always um, send your comments to the mayor uh, via email and to the council. Uh, the council uh, is the one that's holding the hearing, so that would be uh, my suggestion. It's councilpacket at lincoln.ne.gov. Absolutely. I mean, if you can't be there, email, send an email, let the council understand um, where where you sit on the budget. Um, and, and at the end of the day, we have to show up and we have to tell people enough is enough. And that's our duty. That's what we've got to do. Interesting statistics and pretty good uh, dive on the budget proposal, the mid midterm, if you will, a budget proposal where the city could have taken about $14 million just because of the uh, valuation increases. Uh, they've decided, uh, the mayor's office decided they'll only take eight of the $14 million. That's You know, here's another option they did have available to them. They could have just taken what they budgeted and not taken the $14 million because of the valuations. And that would have been $14 million less in property taxes paid. And that would have been for uh, well that would left that would leave eight million dollars in the hands of local taxpayers that they could spend at our local businesses right. at restaurants, clothing stores, buying new cars, whatever it might be. All right, hey, we got a deep dive coming up. I'm looking forward to this one.
I'm excited. Um, you know, uh, I reached out to Senator Ricketts' office. It's, I got to get used to calling him Senator <laughs> after eight years of calling him governor. But I reached out to Senator Ricketts' office. I knew he's back on, on uh, recess and said, hey, if you guys have time and senators in Lincoln, would you be willing to come in for the podcast? And so we're going to have Senator Ricketts right here in studio with us to talk about what it's like to be a new United States senator and some of the things he's working on in Washington. And he's been taking some Nebraska concepts that we implemented here, and he's taken them to Washington. So I want to hear how that's going. We'll do our deep dive with Senator Pete Ricketts next. Husker fans, you've probably heard about NIL, name, image, and likeness. Now you can have an immediate impact on the success of the programs. The 1890 Initiative is Nebraska's premier NIL company. And with your help, we can maximize our student-athletes' opportunities with NIL and prepare them for life after college. Nebraska's always been a leader in college athletics. Let's do the same with NIL. To to learn more, that is, visit 1890nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. That's 1890nebraska.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Back on the Lincoln Business Beat, I have in-studio guest today, a freshman senator from Nebraska. I... Still, don't say governor. <laughs> That's the, what I almost said, and Bud and I talked about that earlier. But uh, Senator Pete Ricketts, our guest today, and glad to have you on the Lincoln Business Beat. Thanks, yeah, welcome, Senator. It's good to have you. I appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule while you're back in Nebraska. Um, you guys are in recess right now, so um, first of all, I'm just going to kick it off with. So you were appointed in January, and. Uh, What's the ride been like for the last seven or eight or six or seven months since you were appointed a U.S. senator? Well, just trying to come up to speed on the new job. You know, I'm in the legislative branch, not the executive branch anymore. And so just figuring out what committees I was going to be on. And actually, Deb Fisher has been a great coach and mentor from that standpoint, really giving me some directions. She recommended that, for example, I get on the Environment and Public Works Committee, which oversees the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers, does regulation, a lot of stuff we dealt with at the state. And then I'm also on the Environment and Public Works Committee, or uh, sorry, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Did a lot of trade missions as governor, so that's uh, one that goes into what I've got experience doing. And then on the, the Special Committee on Aging, which deals with some of the aging issues. It hasn't been quite as active, but just coming up to speed, I've got plenty on my plate uh, trying to learn the other two committees and fighting for Nebraskans every day in D.C., Excellent. Well, and figuring out the legislative branch from the executive branch has had to probably be a bit of a a transition for you. And I mean, 
it, it's my impression, you know, from my seat here in Lincoln, Nebraska, that things in Washington don't move quite like they do uh, in the Nebraska unicameral or in the state of Nebraska. Just it's period. just as dysfunctional as advertised on TV. <laughs> Absolutely. The, uh, you know, the, you know, here in Nebraska, we're so fortunate. We've got such the, we've got the best place in the world. The unicameral, they actually spend time on the floor together. They develop relationships. That's not happening in Washington, D.C., and I think that's why you see the big problems we have. You know, we've got a massive debt, $32 trillion, $253,000 a person. We've got an administration, the Biden administration, that's refusing to really engage on the southern border. where We've got literally millions of people coming across that border illegally. We've got runaway inflation. We've got high taxes. We've got high interest rates. I mean, all these things that are hurting our American families. Now, I'll say the good news is that here in Nebraska, we do it right. And we've shown the path to the rest of the nation. In fact, that's really what I'm focused on is our Nebraska solutions that are ready for America, taking the things we did here in Nebraska and bring them to Washington, D.C., so that we can say, hey, we do it right here in Nebraska. This is how you all should do it in Washington, D.C., to really change direction, change course from where we are with this Biden administration that, you know, can't even deliver basic services like passports <laughs> in a timely manner. You know, that came up earlier this week in your uh, in your open house here in Lincoln at your office. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the passport program has got a backlog of three million passports and it's taking even expedited requests can take up to three months. Uh, you know, it just is an example. And the person in charge, Rena Bitter, does not know how to run an organization Obviously, when I was governor, we focused on delivering great customer service to the citizens of Nebraska. We were able to, you know, in turn improve the turnaround times on things like how we process a SNAP application or how long you're spending on hold or permits, you know, cut the time for those in half. You know, we focused on running a government operations like a business, and that really helped us provide great customer service. And that's part of what needs to happen in Washington, D.C. Well, you made a great lead in there on one of my first questions, Senator. So uh, you talked about taking the common sense things that you were able to accomplish as governor here in Nebraska and trying to take those to Washington, D.C. And then you mentioned SNAP benefits. So talk about how you're taking, let's let's talk about that one just a little bit. And what, what are you doing in Washington to try to help with that process in for Americans, not just Nebraskans. What yeah, absolutely. So SNAP is a Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, otherwise known as food stamps, right? It's our food assistance programs for low-income families. Well, what we did here in Nebraska is we took our job coaches in the Department of Labor, offered them to our families on SNAP so they could get help with resume writing, doing an interview, you know, all the sort of things that it takes to get a better job. And we let, helped hundreds of families be able to get better jobs to the tune of an average increase in their income of $25,000 a year. Wow. And so it leads to a better quality of life for those families. We had families who could, you know, work during the day and be home. You know, a lot of these are single-parent families. Work during the day, be at home at night with their kids, which was different from what they were doing. They were working nights and weekends and not being with their kids. And 60% of these families were able to eliminate their need for SNAP, so they got off the program completely. 40% reduced their need for SNAP. So this is the way government's supposed to work. We're supposed to be a hand up to help people into a better job so they don't have to be reliant on government assistance, which just traps people into a life of dependence and robs them of their dignity. This is a program that gave people their dignity, and that's what I wanted to bring to the rest of the country. So we introduced the SNAP Next Step app of 2023. 
We're looking to get it into the farm bill so that we can make sure every state can take advantage of, this, of the way we did here, things here in Nebraska. I think that's awesome. And, and you know, from, from my chair at LEBA, when you help people increase their income by $25,000, that not, not only helps them be able to be sufficient, self-sufficient on their own, the hand up, not the handout, which I've always been an advocate for, but also it helps our local economies across the state when they have more money that they're able to spend, you know, in their communities, which that money just keeps circulating in those communities. So that's awesome. Yeah. And then what is the number one thing employers tell you? They can't find enough people to hire. Exactly. So this hit takes those folks who are maybe undereducated, helps them get that education. Maybe they're just not applying in the right places, but it helps connect those people who can take those jobs into those jobs to help our employers. And workforce is such an issue. We've talked about um, probably more times than than we can count on here, Mark. Um, so now let's talk a little bit about, um, I know you're working on some things related to flex fuel, um, which obviously has an impact on Nebraska because we're talking about Nebraska corn and ethanol and those kind of things. Talk about what you're, what you're working on there in the, in the flex fuel area. Yeah, with uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, who is the senator from Minnesota, we've introduced the Flex Fuel Fairness Act. And what this does is just level the playing field for flex fuel vehicles. The Biden administration claims they want to reduce carbon outputs. But they're taking a big government, top-down, one-size-fit-all, you know, I've got the answer kind of approach, which is not the way we do things here in America. You know, it's really more of a socialist kind of thing to do. And their solution is EVs. And so they put out tailpipe regulations that will require two-thirds of all new vehicles to be sold by 2032 to be EVs, electric vehicles. Well, that's great if you're in an urban area like on the East Coast. It doesn't really work so well here in Nebraska. We've got 300 miles on Highway 20 between Spring and Allen where there's no chargers, right? Correct. We have cold winters, right? The people on the East Coast just don't get us here in Nebraska. They don't understand our way of life. They don't get that we drive long distances. And... So what this Flex Fuel Fairness Act is trying to do is encourage car makers to make more flex fuel vehicles so you can burn E85 in a flex fuel vehicle. We have a distribution system already in place for that, so you can already get it. And we want, so what this bill does is say flex fuel vehicles will get a 31% carbon credit versus the same make and model vehicle that is not flex fuel. So basically giving credit for running the E85. And so this is something that will help save consumers money at the pump because – if you fill up with the 85, it's about 40% less per gallon of gas than regular gas. Which is a big deal. That's right a big now. deal. And yeah, it's like 240 yeah. versus almost $4, which people are paying now, right? And so it also helps clean up the environment. Again, reduces that carbon output by 31%. And then, of course, it's great for our farmers and ranchers because the biofuel industry here in Nebraska is a $5 billion industry. employs 1,400 people, 24 plants. Uh, we got a new, uh, for example, soybean crush facility being built in Norfolk and in David City. Uh, this will help us do that. And then, of course, it makes us less reliant on foreign oil as well. So this is a solution that if we allow American companies to innovate, they will help find solutions so that we don't have as much of an impact on the environment. And unfortunately, the Biden administration is more wrapped up in their agenda of just pushing EVs and really ignoring some of the other problems of EVs, like the fact that if you're going to make a battery, you need all these rare earth elements and critical minerals. And guess who has the monopoly on a lot of these things? China, right? They process, for example, 60% of all the world's lithium. You know, so if we're going to have things like lithium and graphite and, you know, all the other things that go into, you know, cobalt that goes into these batteries, we're going to now put ourselves at the mercy of our adversary, our biggest adversary in the world, the Chinese Communist Party. You know, American innovation got us away from being dependent on OPEC. And now the Biden administration wants to make us 
dependent again on our chief adversary in the world. It just makes no sense. We've got a solution here in Nebraska. It's called biofuels, and that's what this Flex Fuel Fairness Act is about. Love it. Those are and those are great opportunities for Nebraska businesses. I mean, um, I, I, I appreciate those common sense approaches you're taking to Washington. You're taking. I'll say our Nebraska values and our good thinking in Nebraska. Nebraska solutions ready for America. Amen. Um, and so how is it working with other senators? Because obviously you've got to get to a point where you need, you know, 51 votes in order to, to get something to move forward. Um, how is it going working with folks in, in Washington to try to get to these solutions? Yeah, you know, that is one of the things I'm focusing on is developing relationships. So I'm taking some of my colleagues out to dinner just to get to know them. Obviously, again, Deb Fisher has been a great help in making some connections there. Uh, it is one of the interesting things that in D.C., again, opposed to the Nebraska unicameral where they spent, the senators spent a lot of time on the floor together, that doesn't really happen in D.C., so it's harder to do that. And it's very important to be able to establish those relationships so that you can get things done. You know, um, we talked about passports here a little bit. One of the things I did was introduce the Passport Act with Senator James Langford of Oklahoma. Now, my wife's from Oklahoma, so we got a little bit of connection there. But uh, we both saw the need to help address this passport issue when the executive branch is not stepping up. So the legislative branch has to. And so our Passport Act would work on really driving better performance out of the State Department to deliver these passports. We were able to get a couple of the amendments from that Passport Act into the State Department Reauthorization Act, which went through foreign relations, and then got attached to the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, which got passed out of the Senate. So my... Hope is that that will remain in the conference bill as that gets worked out. But that's really kind of how you have to do it. You have to find some piece of legislation that's moving and then, you know, develop the right partners to get it attached to that bill so that it can hopefully get passed. But it's a, you know, it's a, it's a much more indirect method of getting things done than, say, if you're in the executive branch, whereas the governor, you just, you know, say, hey, we're going to do this and let's put together a team and get working on it. Excellent. So, um, Really quick, as we kind of wrap up uh, on the Lincoln Business Beat here with uh, U.S. Senator Pete Ricketts, um, and I'm proud of myself that I haven't fumbled yet calling you Senator Ricketts. Yeah, good today. job, bud. <laughs> I mean, our yeah, Mark almost did that, back. right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I told Mark earlier. I said, you know, I think I, I'm worried because I've, I've known him as governor for eight years. Now I got to get used to this. So it wouldn't be the first time, even if you did, though. What are some of the things um, that you're working on that you think our small business owners at Liba should know about? Um, that you think are going to be important for them uh, at moving forward in their business? Well, I think one of the key things, I sit on the Environment and Public Works, and that oversees the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers. So I am working to really reduce the amount of regulatory burden and cut the amount of time it takes to get permits. So we've got a lot of different programs here. They're going to be building you know, roads or bridges or what have you. And even the Democrats recognize that if we're not able to get people permits, they're not going to be able to start their construction projects, and that's just going to have a ripple down through the rest of the, um, you know, through the economy. So I'm really focused working with my colleagues like Shelley Capito from West Virginia on introducing the Restart Act, which will help cut the amount of time it takes to get a permit, uh, pushing back on the EPA when they're trying to push more onerous regulations. So this is one of the things that, you know, obviously workforce is one of the biggest issues, and I think where things like the SNAP Next Step Act can help you know, again, find people for that. But then another key thing is regulation, trying to reduce the regulatory burden, which is especially hard for small businesses to deal with because they don't have the big staffs that, say, large companies do to be able to manage the regulation. So we really just got to make sure that we're stopping it. And that's one of the things we're seeing with this Biden administration. They're just going regulation crazy. So pushing back against that, whether it's through Congressional Review Acts to try and block 
their regulations from going in place. We're actually trying to change some of the rules, like we're doing the Flex Fuel uh, Fairness Act, to make sure that you know people who are in the ethanol business will have a fair shot at being able to uh, take advantage of what's going on. Those are one of the key things I think small business owners are going to appreciate is that we're going to try and cut that regulatory burden or at least stop it from getting bigger under this administration. Excellent. Well, I'll put a pitch in locally for Lincoln. Um, when you're talking about the EPA and the the Corps of Engineers, um, we've been dealing with an issue here um, that the administration pushed, which has caused a burden on builders. And um, they haven't they passed a floodplain regulation on building two feet above the floodplain versus one feet, one foot, which is what the state of Nebraska and FEMA and everybody else has said is, is right. But, um, but it's really caused an issue with our builders and our developers. And there's basically what they've done is they've taken land out of, uh, out of the, inventory to be yeah. able to build and to grow. And so one of their things is they always say, well, we got to redraw the flood floodplain map. And so that's the fault of the federal government. So if there's any kind of, you could put a bug in anybody's ear to expedite that process. We will follow up. Especially buddy. after that passport thing that you solved this week so quickly. For one of our <laughs> friends. So, um, again, we're here with U.S. Senator Pete Ricketts. Um, let's talk about your office. You have a new office here in Lincoln. Let's let everybody yeah, know where the U- office Union is. Bank and Trust Building on the 10th floor there. So... Just opened that up this week. So one of the things I'm really focused on is taking care of Nebraskans. We did that when I was governor of the state of Nebraska. And as senator, we're going to have great constituent services. That's been the directive to my team. Uh, we can help, for example, with some of this passport, navigating that process. If you've got a trip coming up, you shouldn't have to miss a family vacation or your honeymoon because the federal government can't get its act together. So we can help navigate the bureaucracy. But whether it's that or veterans' benefits Social Security, IRS, you name it. If you've got an issue with the federal bureaucracy, come to us. Let us help you. We can help you navigate. We can't get the rules changed, but getting a second set of eyes on it and letting the bureaucracy know they're being watched is one of the ways that we can help expedite these issues. Excellent. Again, U.S. Senator Pete Ricketts, he's got an office here in Lincoln on the 10th floor of the Union Bank building. Uh, You can reach out to them with those things. And I I really appreciate your focus on customer service, Senator, because um, you have an office here in Lincoln. You have an office in Omaha. And I believe you have some other offices around the state. We're in Kearney and Scotts Bluff as well. Excellent. So and we also do mobile office hours, and we've hit two-thirds of all the counties with our mobile office hours. Excellent. So that's that's a great way to connect. Um, just watch for your local papers and information on when they're going to be doing the mobile office hours. Um, again, thank you for taking Nebraska Solutions to uh, the federal government. These are, these are very common-sense good things, and I appreciate your knowledge being able to do that um, and seeing what they've done in Nebraska and be able to take those forward. So we appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule with us. My pleasure. It's a privilege to be able to continue to serve Nebraskans and fight for them in D.C. And thanks for having me on, bud. Thank you. U.S. Senator Pete Ricketts here on the Lincoln Business Beat. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst and our special guests, Nebraska Senator Pete Ricketts, I'm Mark Crail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes.